Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Bitch Work Podcast. I am so excited for today's guest, Zoe Maliaros. So guys, Zoe and I went to college together. We both went to Syracuse. And I feel like we like overlapped a lot in college. Like we both did Zipped Magazine. I feel like we were both like into the same things. Yeah, we totally were. I think we were kind of on the same wavelength the entire time. And it's fun how being in a whole different place and connecting again. Yeah, we both live in New York, and honestly, we see each other like quite a bit. So I'm really excited to have her on the podcast, talk about her job. I just feel like she has a really interesting experience and like interesting kind of career path to share with us. And I'm just really excited to chit chat with her and see what's up pretty much. So Zoe, tell us like what you do now, your official job, where you're working at the moment, and kind of what those day-to-day responsibilities look like. Perfect. So I'm currently the senior account executive at Articulate Productions. And Articulate is a PR agency that really delivers content and experiences that generate successful media campaigns. So at the moment, all of the clients are actually alcohol brands, which is something that's super new to me. I recently started this job. Like you said, Jordan, I come from a fashion background. But the beauty of it is that on the side, I do a lot of freelance PR and social media for a range of curated lifestyle brands, which also includes fashion in there. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. And of course, at the moment, everything that I'm doing is happening remotely. So a lot of Zooms, always on email, you know, kind of fitting in my day to day in between things that I have to do for work. So like I said, a lot of Zoom meetings, but I'm working on a lot of influencer campaigns, especially with Valentine's Day around the corner and champagne and alcohol being such <laughs> a huge part of that and celebrating. And we haven't really had many moments to celebrate in the last year or so. So really pushing those small initiatives with some super fun talent and you know, kind of planning leading into the summer. So that's really everything that I'm up to. You know, my favorite part of my job is the amount of people that I get to connect with and reconnect with from previous jobs, college, and really seeing how 360 the media space is. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned a lot in there. You do your own freelance work. You are the senior account executive at a PR firm. So first, let's just start with like, what is a senior account executive at a PR firm? Like, what does that mean? What, how does that fall in the rankings in, in a PR company? And how, how do you fit into the, into the PR world? That's a great question. So currently I have two individuals on my team underneath me. It's an assistant account executive and account executive. So they work on a lot of the nitty gritty, putting press lists together, influencer lists, um, a lot of the pitching ideas. And then they come over to me for approval and bigger picture things um, like brainstorming talent for campaigns, cool. big media, you know, the big ideas behind the themes for the year, events, things like that. So I get to work on budgets, which, you know, doesn't sound really fun, but when you're planning all of these amazing things, it's one of the most important parts. And I report into an account manager who then reports to a director. So I fall kind of in the middle, but I'm really lucky to work on a super lean team and really have most of the over the things that I'm working on. So it's nice to have that trust to kind of run with my projects myself and just fill everybody in 
along the way, but of course also leaning on my team for support and doing the things that have been assigned to me. Um, but it is really kind of a startup culture. So it's nice to have that individuality, especially since I got used to that doing a lot of freelance work over the past few months. Yeah. Okay. So I have so many questions about like working up to being a senior account executive. Cause to me, like my job title is associate video producer, senior account executive sounds like so high up there. And like, you're honestly like the head bitch in charge. So I definitely have more questions about that, but also on the same playing field, I want to talk about your freelance before we really get into the nitty gritty of how you got to where you are today. So let's talk about um, why you started your freelance work, what you're doing now, and how you kind of balance that with your full-time job. So I began freelancing in May. I was unfortunately laid off from my job at Stuart Weitzman just due to everything going on with the pandemic. Believe it or not, people's first priority wasn't buying shoes in the springtime. So the business unfortunately did shift, but I learned so much while I was there. I was the manager of talent and public relations. So it was a really amazing marriage between media and also talent relations and celebrity and influencer, especially being there during award season and fashion week. I was so fast. Yeah, it was really great. And working with so many people and those contacts have carried over, like I said. So when I got laid off, I am not the kind of person who takes advantage of having a break. I was like, what am I going to do with this free time? I'm at home. I don't know how to take it down a notch. So I think I took a break for five minutes and then I got really (laughs) bored. And so I reached out to some of my contacts to see if anybody needed help with any projects or they knew of anybody looking. And I really put out those feelers and immediately didn't get any sort of work or response or, you know, anything that made me feel secure in this place that I was in. But after a few weeks, someone's mom recommended me to someone and then a friend recommended me to someone. And before I knew it, I was working with three or four people starting on Instagram and social media. And then that grew to, you know, really getting to know them. And they got a bit more familiar with the work I had done in the past. So I started pitching, uh, reaching out to influencers and really growing their businesses digitally because that's all we could do at the moment. And, you know, we're still in that place. So I had a really great time working with businesses that were already established, helping a friend launch a business and, you know, still working with them today. And it's been really fun to see, you know, growth digital wise. And it's, it's great to have those insights kind of right in front of you all the time. So you can just always be comparing and setting goals. So I'm still doing that. I, I'm fortunate enough to be a morning person. So I wake up super early and I try and take care of all my freelance responsibilities, you know, before the workday starts. And Mm -hmm. then at night I catch up on emails and I kind of get ahead for the next morning. But everyone that I freelance for is super understanding of me also having a full-time job. And I think the beauty of being remote right now is that I'm not spending a lot of time commuting to and from. So I kind of get that time back to work on other things. So I'm lucky enough that I can really motivate myself to do these things. And of course I have days where I have to force myself to get up and open my laptop. But once I sit down and I'm talking to my clients, I have such great relationships with all of them. 
I don't think I could ever take anyone on who I didn't have like a great real connection with that. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like, oh, these are just like my new friends who I am constantly on the phone with or texting or planning initiatives with. So I'm lucky that, you know, clients grew into friends and some friends turned into clients and I haven't been in any, you know, situations where I feel like I can't handle all of this work that I've put in front of myself. Yeah, that's amazing. And I totally agree with what you're saying about having more time now that we're at home. Like even when it comes to simple things like working out or like making my meals, like everything's so much simpler because we're just in one spot. So I can totally understand that. It's amazing. Sometimes it gets a little distracting. I'm sitting probably two feet away from my fridge, my Keurig. I'm like getting up every five minutes to make a matcha or a coffee or tea or have a snack. So, you know, I have those days where I'm like, can I stay at my table and work? But it's definitely right. nice to, you know, have flexed my home a little bit more into an office and just be able to do everything from here now. Yeah. Okay. So I really want to dive in to the freelance. I have a few specific questions that I jotted down while you were talking right there, but just right off the top of my head, like, because we do have so much free time right now being at home and it is easier to sort of balance a side hustle and a full-time job. What do you think your plan is going to be when you do eventually have to go back into the office? Or like, have you thought about organizational tips or tricks or anything that you've done in the past to help balance a side hustle and a full-time job in a real office work-life balance situation? Yeah. So I think that, you know, I can speak for both of us when I say this, we both work in industries where it's really common to have a side hustle and for your coworkers to be aware of it too. And I think that when we do go back to the office and things slowly get back to the way they once were, you know, with the social life, going to the gym instead of working out at home, all of that, it will probably become increasingly harder to balance everything out. But I think I'm just going to have to cut back on, you know, certain things that I once was doing to make time for that work since it is meaningful to me. Definitely, you know, there are things that I do now that I think about moving a bit away from. So I think I'll have to have those conversations with myself and with my clients when the time comes. But I don't think we're super close to that right now. But I think it really will just be me being even more uh, strict about my schedule and really honoring like my to-do list and things like that, which I hope I can remain good at. Yeah. Honoring your to-do list. I love that phrase. I love how you phrased it that way because, you know, for me, when I write down my to-dos, I'm like, oh my God, I have so many things to do. But like phrasing it in the way of like honoring my to-do list, like makes it sound like it's like such a special, important thing (laughs) that like you feel lucky to have like all these things on your to-do list, you know? Uh, I do feel lucky because I know so many people were out of work and they didn't you know, pivot or they didn't have resources or, you know, everybody's so different. So maybe they wanted to take a break. So I feel really lucky that I, you know, put this energy out and these things came to me not to sound all crazy, but I, um, I do love my to-do list and I I talk it up quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Also like you do not sound crazy. Like I'm a full believer in manifestation and like, you know, putting out what you want to get back from the universe. So I totally feel you on that. For sure. I love that. 
Um, okay, so now, you know, you have a lot of clients with your freelance work and you say you're helping them start up on social media and promote their products. Like what is an actual like um, task or responsibility that you have doing that? Because I know a lot of girls maybe who are in college or just graduated, like say they want to work in PR, say they want to work in social media, but like maybe don't understand like the real um, day-to-day tasks and responsibilities that that includes. Um, and especially with the pandemic and with jobs being, you know, less and less or harder to get, this could be a really great opportunity for, you know, someone who is just graduated to start their own client list and start helping their friends or influencers. So what is something that they can expect on their to-do list if they did want to go down that path? I think the number one thing they can expect is to be creating content calendars and not just planning Monday through Friday, but planning, you know, three to four months at a time. And like I said about creating budgets, you get to a certain point where these kind of responsibilities that aren't so glamorous, you know, get put on your plate, but they're so important, you know, to be planning influencer seating and when we're going to send a new collection to editors or, you know, a giveaway that we're going to do with a like-minded brand to grow our following. So everything that's happening on Instagram and TikTok and, you know, even Facebook for some brands still is feeds into the next project and the next project. And it is totally a cycle. So I think that, you know, if you have skills taking photos and laying out a feed and things like that, you may not even think that could turn into a business, but some brands really need a person who's good at something like that, or who's good at creating a calendar or a spreadsheet or, you know, tracking, UPS deliveries to see, you know, when something is getting to Mm -hmm. someone and making sure they post it and they tag and they use the correct hashtag. So I think if you're a really organized person and you're interested in social media and you are willing to, you know, Google a lot of these responsibilities and teach yourself, I think, you know, this can totally be a self-taught thing. I've never worked in a position where social was my job, but now, you know, it is one of my side hustles at the moment. I think um, it's really, there are so many resources out there and it's kind of easy to set time aside and teach yourself, you know, especially in this world where it's a little bit harder to get your first job or to market skills. So I think that while we're still at home, You can learn a lot of these things online and just by going onto your own social media, seeing what your favorite brands are doing and kind of noting what you like, what you don't like. If you were in charge, you know, what would you do? Yeah. Okay. That's amazing advice. Um, My next question is, I feel like some people can, you know, take this a little bit awkwardly or like maybe this isn't something that everyone talks about, but you know, I've experienced this. I've asked my coworkers for advice or past bosses, but when you're starting your own side hustle or you're making, or you're creating your own business where you have to charge for something, like how do you come up with that fee that, um, you know, that hourly rate that you're kind of giving to yourself and then work with a client? Because I know that can be really awkward, especially if, you know, you're just jumping out of college and you don't have a ton on your resume, but obviously you still need to be making money. Like, how do you create that media kit and that, you know, like your salary pretty much for yourself within your side hustle? That's such a good question. And at first I had no idea how to do this. I was 
so out of my ballpark when I was first starting out, just kind of guessing before I had given anybody an assigned, you know, rate or fee, but I did some research online just to see how people, you know, get to that hourly rate or monthly rate, whatever it may be. And so what I did was I took my salary and I figured out what I was making per hour. And then I became a little bit more realistic about it. You know, it's a pandemic. These brands aren't making, you know, people aren't buying jewelry or they're not buying cashmere. They're not, you know, buying X, Y, Z right now. So maybe we take it down a little bit. So that's how I started. And I actually saw a TikTok about this. I think I was Googling it so much that it just came up on my for you page and FYI, I love TikTok. It's same. It's such an escape for me. And I'm obsessed. Me too. I saw this great video and this woman was explaining kind of exactly what I had done. So I felt pretty good about that. And I started charging an hourly rate. And then I realized that maybe it would be better for a monthly rate since I was continuing to work with a lot of these clients. So Again, I just took time to sit down and figure out how long certain tasks took me, you know, how long it took to write a press release or put together a list of influencers that we could gift. And then I started to base it all off of that and kind of my whole schedule at large. And now I'm charging monthly for most things unless someone needs a one-off project. And then I kind of revert back to that little chart that I made of how long tasks take me to kind of get to that point. But it's so important to be really confident when you're charging people or asking them or kind of negotiating with them. And I think that it's so important, again, to just remember, you know, your worth. And if you're just starting out, and you've never had a salary, I think you can do some research on LinkedIn, on the internet, wherever to figure out what an entry level job for what you want to do will pay. And then you can take those same steps with that salary, you know, maybe take into consideration that you don't have as much experience, or if you have amazing internship experience, ask for a little bit more. I think people really appreciate when they can tell you're, you know, confident in this ask, as long as you're not being, you know, so out of uh, budget, out of range. And I think uh, people, you know, they appreciate that and they can sense like when you're confident, you're going to do a good job for them. And, and they ultimately want you to be you know, negotiating for them in the future. So I think, you know, if you can present yourself with confidence and grace in that kind of a situation, you're really setting yourself up for success. And then another thing, if you're working, you know, with friends, I don't always think you need to like give them a discount or things like that. You know, they're hiring you as a freelancer, not as their friend. So it's really great when you have someone who can understand that and you can still present yourself to them the way you would a stranger or another boss. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I totally agree about the confidence thing um, because, you know, even for me in the past, like I said earlier, like it can be awkward, especially if your friend or someone you know is asking you for help or, you know, wants your service. It can be very awkward to be like, this is what I charge and to feel mm-hmm. confident about that. Because if you are just starting out or if you've never done this before, like at least I questioned the past, like, is this the right thing I should be charging? But, um, you know, being confident and having that backbone of like, no, like this is what I feel I deserve for this work. And if the client doesn't agree with it, then like, I just don't feel that that was the client for you. Exactly. Or if they're not willing to talk about it with you and, you know, maybe sometimes you are charging too much and you have a conversation and you come down a little bit, but I think, you know, that's the beauty of it. And I've had situations too, where I've charged 
so much less than what I deserve. And I've gone back to them and said, look, this is how many hours I'm spending. You know, this is what I would be making hourly if I were in a full-time position and, you know, we've gone up from there. So again, I think you have to keep that communication open too in these situations. Totally. I think that's another great piece of advice. Like, doesn't mean it's set in stone. Doesn't mean it's black and white. And also it's trial and error. Like if someone says, oh no, that's too high. Then maybe on the next person that wants your service, you can try a lower number and see how they react to it. But I think it's really good to keep in mind that, um, what you say the first time or after your first project doesn't mean that it's going to be like that every other time. Like you have the power to negotiate for yourself and you have the power to, you know, make the money that you deserve. Exactly. Okay. So what clients do you have at the moment? Like, what are you working on? Who are you really excited about um, with your side hustle? Because obviously it's something you're super passionate about and I want everyone listening to hear about your clients and know what you're doing. Sure. So I am working with Cash, which is a cashmere brand that launched with a philanthropic, you know, brand pillar in mind. They give back 10% of all proceeds to the Nepal Youth Foundation, which is so amazing. It was actually founded by Julia and Vlad, who also went to Syracuse. I'm sure you know them. And we started working together in July when I really had not many clients at the moment. So Julia had seen something on Instagram, saw my website, reached out. And then from there, we started planning for their launch in November and everything has gone great planning for a second launch. I was actually on a call with them right before we hopped on and they're so lovely to work with. And we've become really close, you know, throughout this process. And they're always so understanding, you know, if I'm busy, they both have full-time jobs. So it's kind of fun to all be in that space together. Yeah. And then I work with Mass Designs Jewelry, which is a handmade jewelry brand based out of Westfield, New Jersey, owned by a wonderful woman, Maxine. She's become like a second mom to me. And she has another woman on her team who's also so amazing. And I think our weekly calls are more just like a catch up and a friend call. And it's just so much fun. And we're constantly talking. But again, she's always saying to me, like, Zoe, I know you have so many other things going on. You don't have to be on text or on this or on that. But we've really become so much closer than just, you know, coworkers. And then I also work with Elise Collective, which is a small agency um, that focuses on lifestyle brands and brand building. And with them, I do social media for Inner Beauty Cosmetics, which is a clean beauty brand and female owned, really amazing. The products are so good. I'll have to send you some to try. Oh my and God, I love that so much. Yeah, it's, it's, my, it's really my obsession. I know. I am so hooked now. I, I haven't really been wearing much makeup in quarantine. I wasn't a huge makeup person anyway, but this is everything that I use now and I swear by it. It's so great. It's so clean, and the founder is this amazing woman. So they're a fun brand to work with. And then I have a couple of uh, feelers out with some other people to sign on, but I am really busy with my full-time job, so I'm conscious of that at the moment. But it's going really well. And Elise Collective was founded by a friend of mine. Her name is Drea Murphy. She's really amazing. She has built this business the past five years and um, she's been such a mentor to me too. So it's nice to kind of have that in my day to day. If I ever have any questions about my career, you know, life, even apartment stuff, she's always there for me. So it's, it's nice to, like I said, you know, have 
clients and coworkers that have turned into such good friends. Yeah, that's incredible and so important because it makes working with them and doing your day to day so much more fun and enjoyable, obviously. Exactly. So, makes such a difference. Yeah. So circling back to your full-time job um, that you just mentioned. So obviously you started your side hustle during COVID because you got mm-hmm. laid off, but how did you get this new opportunity? What led you to your current role um, at Articulate and how did that all work out for you? So I was actually out one day with on a friend's roof, you know, a socially distant gathering and <laughs> one of my friends just started dating someone and he had one friend there. And so I started talking to her and I said to her, Oh, I, you know, I do freelance PR. I didn't really touch on everything that I was working on. And she told me that she had just taken the bar and she was working at a law firm. And that was that really. And then that night my friend texted me and said, Oh, Emma reached out and she wanted to know if you were looking for a full-time job because a friend of hers who works at this really luxe PR agency is looking for someone to join her team. So from there, we got on the phone. I had an introductory call with um, my coworker now, Eleanor at Articulate. And, you know, in that week, I talked to three other people and the founder of the agency. And a couple of weeks later, they put out an offer. And it's so funny because I was not feeling great that day. I really didn't want to be outside. It was a really cold day. And I just was like, I'm so sick of outdoor dining in the cold and going on walks and just freezing to be around other people. But I decided to go. And now I'm so happy that I did because I made this really amazing connection. And the way things happen so quickly with the interview process was such a good sign to me because I've been so burned in the past with horrible interview processes or getting ghosted, just never hearing back or getting, you know, to a point where I thought I would get an offer and not even getting an email. So I took that as such a great sign and everybody was so lovely and it didn't feel like interviewing at all. It felt more just like having a conversation and alcohol is booming right now. And I just really wanted to be in a space where, you know, the business was successful and there was a lot of budget to work on cool and interesting projects. So I kind of got everything that I wished for. Yeah. And I think your point about, you know, having been burned in the past and interviews being difficult or or not getting the job that you really, really wanted and thought you did so well on is just a sign to everyone listening that like everyone has ups and downs. Everyone has a job that they get. Everyone has a job that they didn't get or an email that didn't get answered or a LinkedIn DM that nobody responded to. And there's always the other end of that of like someone responding, someone giving you the chance or an opportunity falling into your lap. And I know I feel like this sometimes too, where I feel like, oh, I haven't been given a new opportunity in a while or, oh, nothing exciting has come or nothing has, you know, come to fruition like I thought it would. But I think on the other end of that, it's it's really important to remember that it's just as easy to get a yes as it is to get a no. And there's always the other side of the coin. There's always that other opportunity waiting for you. Absolutely. And in the past, I've gotten jobs before and I thought they would be the end all be all. I was going to work there forever and get promoted and, you know, everything amazing was going to happen. And I was laid off twice, two times in a row from, you know, great fashion companies that they just weren't bringing in revenue and they weren't being managed correctly. And I think, you know, I had that dream for so long 
but it's really been great to pivot and still, you know, have that lifestyle fashion feel and, you know, still be partnering kind of with all the same people in the alcohol space. But I think you have to pay attention to the small details and the signs, like you said, and, you know, for every no, there's probably two yeses out there. So I think you just need to be confident that something great is out there for you and, you know, really look super deeply into every experience to make sure that it really is what it appears to be too. Yeah. So I want to touch on and go back to what you said about getting laid off from your past two jobs and and talk about that for a little bit, because I know that a lot of people are going through that right now with COVID. And obviously, you've bounced back. Obviously, you got back on your feet more than once. So I'd like to talk about like those past experiences, because they are part of your resume, and they're part of how you got to where you are today. So I'd love to talk about those two jobs, what they were, and what you did there. And then also how you know, you you thrived and came back from something that can be really, really hard. Yeah, so it was definitely difficult, but I think I'm good at seeing the silver lining. So that made it a little bit easier both times. And so I first was at Barney's New York, which unfortunately is no longer. Mm. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in August of 2019, and then ultimately were bought by a company that kind of discontinued the brand that November. So everybody, you know, who stayed with the company lost their jobs. So there was a sense of community kind of, you know, on that sinking ship. And it was something really interesting to be part of. I learned so much about the business and, you know, what not to do and court proceedings and, you know, all of that crazy stuff that you think you'll never have to be part of. But before, you know, all of that happened, I was on the PR and events team, which was amazing. It was so many great events, you know, from women's wear to men's wear to kids and home and Fred's, the restaurant. So it was super 360 and we were always working on something different, you know, in a different region. So I was able to make a ton of contacts at all of the brands that I worked with there, which, you know, for me was the number one thing. And I had an amazing team. So no matter what was happening or, you know, how bad the news was that day, we were still having a good time and cheering each other on. And there was such a huge sense of community there. And the management on my team was great. So I can't really complain about you know, the logistics of that. And I think just being part of something so iconic was really important to me and it still is. And then from there, I moved over to Stuart Weitzman and I was only unemployed for about four weeks. So it wasn't so bad. Actually had reached out to Drea Murphy, who I mentioned is the CEO of Elise Collective. And I started to freelance for her in between, but I wasn't with her too long. So that's why we stayed so in touch. And then when things fell through with Stuart Weitzman, I kind of hopped back onto her team to help out. And then since have kind of grown in that role to manage her partnerships as well. So that really started during that dark time of Barney's. And so I was able to network with her and figure something out for the meantime, but I wasn't with her for too, too long. And so I started at Stuart Weitzman in December of 2019 And I was the manager of PR and talent relations, as I mentioned. So that was everything from celebrities to influencers to traditional, you know, PR pitching to editors. And so that was really great. And I started at a time where we were planning so many initiatives around custom shoes for award season. So I was constantly going back and forth with talent agents and stylists. And again, it was an amazing opportunity for me to really build out my 
personal contact list, which is probably the longest list you've ever seen. And I credit, you know, these jobs for that. And I had a really great team there. It was a big team. You know, the whole marketing team that I was part of was huge. And so unfortunately, when things started to go downhill, we took the biggest hit. And, you know, that was really hard, especially to take that news when I was home away from my team. I didn't really know what was coming and, you know, what happened over Zoom and it was just super upsetting, but I understood why it happened. Obviously, there's a global pandemic, you know, losing my job at this luxury shoe company wasn't the most important thing that was happening in the world. And I'm happy that I was able to recognize that right away. And I wasn't the only person in my friend group or on my team that had lost their job. So I didn't feel so alone. Whereas the first time I felt like a failure and I I felt like, you know, people that I knew thought I would, would have been fired or or kind of misunderstood like what being laid off means. You're simply just getting let go because the company like can't support you anymore. But I was definitely a lot more down on myself before, but it, it didn't last too long. I have great, friends and a great family who made me feel, you know, like Zoe, you had this great job, you should focus on that not being laid off. So I definitely bounced back a little bit quicker the second time. But I, I hope it never happens to me again. This is not something that I, you know, want to become an expert in. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, you have to roll with the punches. And I think, you know, especially in an industry that can be frivolous and, you know, is so centered around in-person events and parties and, you know, a product that people like to get, go into the store and touch and feel and, you know, buy an experience. Obviously that was going to change. So that all kind of helped me um, deal with it. But I think, again, it's important to know that it's not anything that you did that led to this decision, you know, that someone in HR who doesn't even know you made, And you can always bounce back and you're never going to be on an interview and they're going to ask you, you know, why did you get laid off twice? I think people know that you had no part in that. And I think, you know, it's good to get ahead of it too and say, yeah, I was let go from my last job because of the pandemic. And the amount of people who are probably saying that in interviews right now is mind blowing because of the last 10 months. And I can't even believe it's been that long. But, you know, I saw a statistic that in December, 150,000 people lost their jobs. So, you know, look at those statistics and read those articles and you won't feel so alone. And I think there are so many jobs opening up in departments that didn't even exist before that have, you know, come to fruition because of being remote or being digital and things like that. So, like I said, if you can, you know, Google a few things and self-teach yourself, about social media or, you know, becoming an expert in leadership in a remote job. I think those are things that will be so marketable, you know, now and in a few months. So I think it's really an opportunity to also evaluate what you really want to be doing too. Like maybe there's a part of your job that you lost that you absolutely hated and use that to move forward and make sure that you never have to do it again. 100%. Like, I think that you can really get caught up in the position that you have or the company that you work at and thinking to yourself, oh, this is it. This is, this is my company. This is where I'll be for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like, 
getting the quote unquote opportunity of getting laid off can really make you see and like take those rose colored glasses off and see like, okay, like maybe this was wrong with it. Or maybe this is my chance to step up and try this thing that I've always wanted to do. Or um, now I don't have to do that thing at work that I hate or anything like that. So there's always that silver lining to look at and going off on your point about how no employer is going to ask you why you got laid off. Like in December, actually, funnily enough, we went through some like really devastating um, layovers at my company. I'm sorry, layoffs at my company. And it wasn't me, but it was people I was really close to on my team. And it was so confusing and just really hard to understand. But Mm -hmm. my boss explained it to me in a way of like, in corporate America, unfortunately, like, we are all lines on an Excel sheet. Like we are all Mm -hmm. a name with a salary attached to it. And like, at the end of the day, the company needs to keep who they can afford and who they can. And it has nothing to do with me or you or how you've done at your job or how I've done at my job. But at the end of the day, like we are all numbers, which is something Mm -hmm. that is kind of hard to wrap your head around when you're in a corporate job. But, um, ultimately that's how corporate America works. And yeah, something that is definitely prevalent now for sure. For sure. And I think, you know, it's such a hard pill to swallow to accept that you really are just a number. But I think that goes back to, you know, realize what you like and what you don't like. Because when you sign off or when you go to bed at night or you're alone in your apartment, you're with yourself and you have to, you know, feel happy and feel fulfilled. So I think for me, it was a really good opportunity. And not only my job, when I lost my job in May, it made me reevaluate every single thing in my life. And I was thinking, if I lost this, what, how would I feel? Or if I lost this, and it allowed me to really edit everything around me. So I think, you know, understanding that, like you said, you're a line on a spreadsheet, like, make sure that you feel good about that. And you feel even better about other areas of your life that I think, you know, are a bit more meaningful to you. Totally. Like it, it, it's scary when you think about it in that way and your, and your work is your life or your job is your favorite thing about yourself or your social life. Like it is important to have those other vast areas where you also feel joy and feel happiness and success and fulfilled because at the end of the day, you don't have control when you're not, you know, running your own business or, or doing your own financing salary work. Like at the end of the day, someone else is in charge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's definitely important to, you know, always know that going into jobs and and even any situation. Yeah. Okay, so now I want to ask you a very specific question. You talked a lot about your client list. And for any girls out there in PR, anyone who wants to even build up like a networking list, how do you, you know, keep that client's clientele in touch? How do you build up that list? And how do you move one client from being like a client at your corporate job to then being a client in your side hustle or freelance work? That's a great question. So I've never taken a client from work and kind of made them my own, but I've definitely taken contacts from, you know, jobs who've connected me to other people who, you know, may have needed help on a project or, you know, become 
a full-fledged client. So I think in everything that you do, it's really great. You know, if you have a great experience with someone, get their email and get their phone number and make sure that you keep them up to date with what you're doing. And, you know, I know some schools assign mentors and people don't take those things seriously all the time, but I think, you know, it's great to tap into those resources and again, keep them posted, keep them updated when you move or when you graduate or, you know, if you get a new internship or job, just so they know, because, you know, there are eyes and ears everywhere and they might know your boss or they might know someone who interned there before yeah. and people like that can always give you advice. And so I think by keeping everybody in the loop and up to date, you know, once you do get to a point where you're working for yourself or you're freelancing on the side, those people will be able to make recommendations to you. So I think, it comes from a place where, you know, you should be curious about everybody and, you know, keep in touch with them because you never know who they could be um, connecting you to. You know, you could be two degrees of separation away from your dream person who has your dream career. And all you really need to do is ask to be put in touch with them. So I think, you know, really knowing yourself and what you want and what you do and being able to, you know, communicate that and not being so long-winded about things. I know sometimes I feel like I can catch up with people and type like six paragraphs out and I'm like, no, Zoe, make it, make it easy for them to digest and they'll appreciate it even more. So if you, you know, haven't seen someone for a while, happy new year. I'm working at Articulate Productions. I'm working on wine and champagne brands in the partnership space. Would love to connect on anything you're doing to see if we could collaborate, you know, something intriguing that they're going to want to ask you a question about and then connect on. And I think that's how really amazing things can happen. Definitely. Normally we like talk about internships and how like you got your first job and et cetera, but we've honestly (laughs) been chatting so much about what you're doing now that we didn't even get there. So I just want to know really quickly. (laughs) um, And honestly, I'm fine with it because I absolutely love the discussion we had today. I think it's a very different um, episode than I normally do, which I love. And I love kind of breaking that format. And I think that people will be totally inspired and obsessed with what we talked about today. But just really quickly for someone who, you know, we do have a lot of listeners listeners who are looking for internships or in that spot in their life. Do you have any advice for them on like how to reach out to an internship coordinator or advice or things that you learned in college? I'm sure very similar to what I learned about getting an internship. Totally. So I think when you're introducing yourself to someone or if you're emailing them, probably more likely emailing them nowadays. But it's really important to give a really a super brief description of yourself, why you're interested in what they do. And I think even if it's an HR coordinator or somebody, you know, with a job that you're not interested in, but they're the person that you need to get through, I think it's really important to express interest in what they do for, you know, whatever company they're at. So it seems more personal than basically saying, I'm reaching out to you because I need a job. So I, you know, something right. that I would say is I, I love the way, you know, you foster community at this company and I'd love to learn, you know, how you choose talent and what stands out most to you. This is my background, you know, would love to connect more. And I think that somebody will be really happy to receive a message like that and feel, you know, like somebody is kind of interested in their day to day and how they could be part of it rather than just saying, Oh, Hey, Jordan, 
I'm really interested in this PR role that you have. Would love to hear back. Here's my resume. Like there's not really a lot of thought put into something like that. And this could be a person that you have a daily interaction with someday. So I think it's good to start out on the right foot. I think that's incredible advice, honestly. I'm going to use that advice. I think that's amazing. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, you. I feel like when you are looking for jobs and you're on that job hunt, like you get into the routine of like, oh, okay, I'm going to email people on LinkedIn. I'm going to I'm gonna message people. And you do forget that like personal touch element. So I think mm-hmm. that that's an amazing idea. And everything you said really resonates with me because, um, yeah, it does make people feel good when you – when you ask someone exactly about them and what they do. Totally. And I think, you know, when people, I get sometimes people will reach out to me on LinkedIn and they get it all wrong too. They're like, oh, I see that you do this here. And I'm like, well, that was my internship four years ago. And I'd love to talk about it, but you have to also do the research too, because it's just kind of a courteous thing to do. So I would say, you know, definitely look out for someone's most recent job and exactly what they do. And if they've been at a company for, you know, several years, ask them about that because they're probably proud of that too. Yeah, totally. Okay, last question because this this 45 minutes has flown by for me. Um, it has. Just your last piece of advice for any girls out there who maybe, you know, are in a different career and want to switch to PR or are studying PR or, or think that they're interested in it. What's like one piece of advice you would give them for something that they can do um, outside of the normal networking internship situation to set themselves apart in terms of their resume or their portfolio, something that they can do to make themselves stand out? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that something that we always forget is, you know, the way that we market ourselves. And if you want to switch into PR and you've been doing something else for years and years and it's something you've always wanted or you're graduating as a PR major or communications major or whatever it may be, I think the most important thing aside from a portfolio or your resume, which, you know, doesn't do all the talking is the way that you present yourself. And if there's something quirky about you, putting that at the forefront and really, you know, capitalizing on that and saying, you know, I stand out because of this and I love to tell my story and I would love to, you know, incorporate that into your story and really drive home that storytelling piece because PR is really, you know, it's like being a writer and however you want to craft a message, you have the power to do that. So I think, you know, when I see someone who knows themselves and markets themselves well, I know that they can take that same skill and put it toward, you know, whatever it may be at work. So I think, you know, you can simplify all of the technical things that you need and really figure out, okay, what do I like? What's something I want people to know about me? And how can I tell them? And then you put that together and you reach out to somebody, you know, the way I was just saying, and they're going to be really interested in learning more about you and how you can apply that elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Zoe, thank you so much for doing this today. I enjoyed our conversation so much. I learned so much and I feel like a jolt of inspiration from you. So thank you so much for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. These questions were great. And honestly, 
I don't talk about all of this. You know, I'm constantly doing it on a day-to-day basis. So it's really great for me to talk about it and reflect and kind of answer some of the questions that I had for myself that I didn't even know were there. So thank you so much. It was great to come on. Of course. I'm so happy we did this. Um, Let us know where like the listeners can reach you if they want to follow you on Instagram, maybe like ask you a few questions or anything. Let us know where we can find you. Yes, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Zoe Maliaros. So you'll see how to spell my name. Um, It's easy to mess up. So FYI, but you can always reach me. My DMs are always open. My email is there. I have a website. You can learn a little bit more, but I love to share a lot on social media. So you'll definitely learn a lot more about me right there. Perfect. And yeah, guys, I'll have her first and last name, obviously, in the title of the episode. And her Instagram will be linked on her episode card that's on my Instagram at Bitchwork Podcast. You can also follow me at Jordan Rebecca. And I think that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.